But time is important, isn't it? Time is so important, I think, in our relationships. This idea that we would actually spend this part of your 24 hours that you get, that you'd actually spend time with those that you love and give some of it to them. And I think it's important in any relationship. It doesn't just matter just with your loved ones, but I think with your kids, I think with those other people, your friendships, I think time is always important. You know, I think if you don't spend time in your relationships, what happens is over time they splinter and they fall apart. You know, you feel this distance. I can always tell when John and I have not spent enough time together because for some reason we start kind of doing this little, like, biting at each other. You know, little, little attitudes that we have with each other. And I think most of the time it's just really because we didn't spend enough time with each other. It's not that we had too much, but it's had too little time together. Well, I've never been one for believing in the old adage that people say where it says absence makes the heart grow fonder. I just don't believe that at all. I just don't. I think it's just a bad, bad thing. Somebody came up with it that obviously never wanted to be around their loved ones, <laughs> I think is what it was. You know, I, I think that's just not really true. I think it's actually just the opposite. I think that relationships benefit if we spend time together. And uh, even if it's just doing simple little things, just simple things, just sometimes just sitting with somebody in their presence is very valuable. Well, I think there's a lot of people that definitely say, and I've heard this before, that, you know, it's not the quantity of time, it's the quality of time. Okay. You know, why not just spend more time trying to make it more quality? I don't understand why we have to have one or the other. You know, just try to spend more time and try to actually make it important. It can be quality even if it's something simple. But I definitely want to drive home the point to you today, and if you haven't done last week on Valentine's Day or with your loved one, that time is so important in your relationships. You know, our relationships... That idea, that word, relationships, what does it mean? What does relationship mean to you? Um, I think relationships obviously benefit from time. We know that. Relationships have a a deep feeling of connection and and love to one another. And I'm sure that many of you have heard that term before when we talk about it in our faith, right? You've heard people talk about it. It's like, you understand for us it's not religion, it's a relationship, right? Right? When we talk about our faith with Jesus, it's a relationship. I'm sure that most of you here that are here today, or if you're watching online, that's how you describe your own relationship with Jesus. You say, that's my faith. My faith is not just religion. It's a relationship with him. But I have to wonder sometimes if that's really true. I have to wonder if what we have with Jesus could really be described as a relationship. Or could it be religion, and we just really don't understand that's what we have? Well, the definition of relationship is a close connection between two people. So I wonder, would Jesus describe what he has with you as a relationship? Would he say that you have a relationship with him? I mean, you might say you do, but would Jesus say that you do? Do you spend time with him? Do you talk to him? Do you listen to him? You know, I think that we have to understand that, yes, Jesus loves us. I mean, we we sing songs about it, how much Jesus loves us. He loves us with passion and abandonment. He's gone out of his way to do everything he can for you. He shows love to you all the time. And if you're paying attention, if you're reading the Bible at all, you can see that Jesus 
is madly in love with you, like I said last week. He cares so much, and he loves you deeply. I mean, if you just read a few of the scriptures, it says in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, it says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. Or this one, 1 John 3, 1, that says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know know us is that it did not know him. We're called his children. We're in such a close, deep relationship that he's our father, that we are his kids. That's love. Isaiah 54.10, that says, For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. I mean, I read those verses, and I'm just amazed all the time at how much God loves us. You know, when it says that the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then, his love will never disappear for us. It'll never fade, it'll never go away. That's deep. That's a relationship. That's what it means. You know, we never, ever have to doubt the love that God has for us, that Jesus has shown us by dying on the cross. We never have to doubt that. You know, but there's an interesting phrase that a lot of people say about people who are no longer in a relationship, um, we say a lot of times that they fell out of love, that they fell out of love. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it, the idea that we can so easily fall into love. You just trip and you fall and you're into love, and then you can just fall out of love. You know, it, it's really an interesting dynamic how we talk about it. You know, when we think about our relationships, if you think about marriage or you think about somebody that you were once in love with, a lot of times we can say that, you know, the honeymoon's over now. Honeymoon's over. You know, there's no more physical affection. There's no more quiet talks. There's no more passion. There's no more love in the relationship. You know, that the honeymoon is done and we fell out of love. I think a lot of people, it does happen, but it happens gradually. I don't think it's something that just takes place one day you wake up. You know, you, when you went to bed and you're in love and you wake up and you're like, I'm out of love now. You know, I just fell out of love. And I think that it actually does happen really gradually. And I think sometimes we don't understand because you don't look at those daily things that take place and, and, and stop and really, like, measure how much it is that you love somebody. So it can happen very gradually, this idea that you can get up and maybe you just don't talk or spend time together that day or... Or maybe you just don't really um, connect in a way that you did. Or maybe you don't in your uh, relationship with your spouse. Maybe you don't make love as much as you used to. And then what happens is, over time, you suddenly look back and you think, we fell out of love. But it's a gradual thing. It's something that takes place in increments. It just happens over time. It just We're not aware a lot of times about how it happens. Well, I think there's that also that other old saying that a lot of people use when, you know, when you want to break up, but you don't want to hurt the other person, so what you do is you say, listen, it's not you, it's me. It's me. It's me. I've changed. I've changed. It's me that has the problem. Well, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, if anyone ever falls out of love, it's always going to be you, not him. God never falls out of love with us. He doesn't. 
Now, granted, our relationship can shift and change in how much devotion we show him, but he never falls out of love with us. Always amazes me how much God lavishes his love on even those who are so evil and unkind. But he still loves them. He still hopes for a relationship with them. He still wants closeness. He desires for that. Well, if you say that you have a relationship with him, and if it's actually really more to you than just religion, then I think what you have to do is you have to look inside your hearts and you have to see if that's really, truly how you feel. Is it a real relationship? Or has it become, or has it always been, just religion for you? You know, I think so many of us can get it wrong when it comes to following after Jesus. I think we all start out wanting to do it right, but I think sometimes we just don't see the gradual increments that take place that actually cause it to become more about a religion than it is a relationship. You know, we can't tell others or tell him that we have a relationship with him if we've never proved it with our actions at all. You know, I I think with John and I, we've been married 37 years, and if John only ever once at the altar told me he loved me, but then never spent time with me, never valued my opinion, never listened to what I had to say, never talked, never cared about the things that I care about, If we never had that, I'd question that love. And I think so many of us do this when it comes to our relationship with God. I think a lot of times we have this moment, maybe we're in a message or, or, you know, we're, we're reading something and we're like, yeah, God, that's what I want. I want a relationship with you. I love you. And then you kind of just get caught up in the trappings of life or even religion. And before long, you're not in a relationship You have nothing but religion. So it makes me wonder if God could be questioning that with you. It's not just you questioning your relationship with him, but is he questioning his relationship with you? Does he think, I don't know if they really truly love me. I don't know if they really love me because they don't spend time with me. They don't value me. You know, think God, we have to understand that God wants our hearts in tune with his. And I think it's this gradual thing over time that does take place if we really search out Christ and we want to know what his word says. Over time, what happens is our thoughts become his thoughts. You know, we change. Our our ideas of what we want in life, they switch over and they become his motives. Instead, it's not just what we want anymore. You know, God desires our heart to be in tune with him. You know, that we would love the things that he loves. But more importantly, that we would hate the things that he hates. And this is where a lot of us get caught up. We don't understand that God hates sin. And yet a lot of times what we do is we keep bringing sin back into our lives over and over again. We're saying, oh, he's going to be okay with it. He's going to be okay with it. And over time he's like, no, because not, we're not in tune no more. We're not in tune. Now, the Bible says that we have to love the things that, and desire the things that God would want You know, when you think about your faith and your relationship, the one thing the Bible talks about is how it's not over until Jesus comes back. How do you feel about that? You know, God's waiting for the day where Jesus gets to come back and he gets to get his bride. It makes you wonder how many are really truly going to be in a relationship and are in love with him that will go. You know, Jesus tells us an interesting thing, though. 
Whereas we think about a lot of times it's our hearts, and we talked about that last week, the idea that our hearts, what's inside there, tells a lot about our faith and how much we really love God. And I asked you the question, if you didn't pay attention or weren't watching the message or you never listened at all and you weren't here and you just didn't pay attention to anything we did last week, I asked you the question, do you love God? Do you love him? You know, I think we're so quick to say, yes, we do, but does our lives match up with that? You know, God says, look inside your heart, see what's there. But then also not just that, God, God actually has this, this idea that there's more that he wants than just our hearts. It's not just our hearts, but Jesus actually says in Mark 12, 28 through 34, it says, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. I always love that statement when Jesus says, You're not far from the kingdom of God. You know, it isn't going to take much to tip you over and be in a real relationship with me. You know, you know all the right things. You just have to apply them now. You're not far. And I wonder sometimes if he would look at us and say the same things. You know, yeah, you know what you should do. And you're not far. But you need to do some different things and you need to give up some things to really get there. See, it's not just our hearts that's necessary. It's also our souls, what's down deep who we are at the core of who we are. Our minds, what our minds are, are placed on in a daily life. You know, what are, we, what are we allowing in? What are we, you know, putting out? Our strengths. How much effort are you putting into it? And if we also love ourselves the way and treat people the way that we would want to be treated, you know, that's how we're supposed to love God. I think if you've followed God any length of time, you have seen people have it wrong. <laughs> you know, we can see that, man, you get it out of the, the right order or you just don't do it right, man, it can all go crazy and it can be a mess. You know, I think that I've seen over time following after Jesus and it's been about 25, 26 years since I uh, became a believer and a follower of God. But I think what happens a lot of times people do try to love God with just their minds. You know, they think, I'm just going to, like, study, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to memorize. I'm going to memorize the Bible, and I'm going to sound so smart. You know, I think to them a lot of times what happens is it just becomes more about knowledge, more about the idea that they know more than the other person, you know, that they feel good about themselves because they know just the right thing to share if somebody says they're going through something. They're like, you know, well, first Peter this, and it's like really... Did you even apply it? You know, I think a lot of times what happens is people can start studying 
And really what it's all about is just becoming puffed up. You know, just this idea that they're prideful and puffed up. And what they do a lot of times is they'll know the knowledge, but what they do is instead of keeping it and using and applying it for themselves, they use it as a weapon for on other Christians. Or on the unbelieving world. And they try to, like, be hurtful and rude. I never knew, honestly, probably the first, whatever, 15, 20, I don't know, 15 years maybe of following after Jesus, how much rudeness and unkindness there was between pastors until the Internet. Wow. It opened my eyes. I never, never believed that people could be so cruel to another brother and sister in Christ until you start reading the, reading the Internet and see what people say about other pastors. Hurtful, rude, evil things. I mean, we know, we've, we've had people say stuff about us. You know, I, I'm always amazed by that. You know, that you, you look at somebody and you say, oh, no, no, just the Bible that you're reading is not the right Bible. You need to read this Bible. You know, there's so much negativity all the time and, and people using God's word as a weapon. It's happened to me. It's happened to me before I even walked up on the stage one time to, to preach. I had somebody come up and say, you know, you're not supposed to be up there. You're not supposed to be up there teaching. Literally a minute or two before I went up on stage. I was like, well, you know what? I think if you actually worried about applying like the other billions of things that the Bible had to say, maybe you wouldn't have said that to me right before I went up there. And that's between me and God anyway. But people a lot of times can get caught up in what their minds believe. And they can get so caught up in that that they think that they're right all the time. Some people try to love God with their minds and they get wrapped up in religion, but they never, ever develop a passion for God. Never. They never have that passionate love that should develop when we read his word. You know, I think that sometimes people just get cold and callous. You'd think that the Bible could change them, but see, the thing is, if you don't read it with a, a mind wanting to really like grasp what it is that Jesus is saying, and you just start reading the words, and you don't apply it, we can become so cold and uncaring to one another. Being concerned with just yourself, you know. These are the people that go to church, man, and they, they, though, they, they only want the kind of worship they want. Well, I don't know. I don't really like that song they sang. You know, I can really, really worship when that one song gets sung. But boy, you know, the other ones that they're given, they're not so good. I don't really like them. They want to sit where they want to sit, and God forbid someone sits in their place, you know? And they give as long as it doesn't cost them too much. Not too much. I'll give a little bit, but not too much. There's a lot of people that really get caught up in their heads, and they don't understand. I remember being at a church where somebody actually walked in, sat down at this woman's chair, and she actually walked over and said, that's my chair. That's my chair. And the people are like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. You know, because we didn't realize these people that are unsaved to come into your church that want to understand who Jesus is and fall in love with them, that we have assigned seating. We didn't know that. There's something wrong with people when they get caught up in their heads. I've heard stories before where somebody who just could not wait to go in and hear what Jesus had for them in their lives, that there was hope. 
Before they even got in the door, they were sat told, is that what you're wearing? You can't come in unless you're dressed up better than that. You have to give your best to God. Is that your best? I've heard that person got in their car and drove away. We're never going to do that here. We don't want you to be in your head thinking that you've got something figured out when you don't. Those people cause more damage than good for the kingdom. Some people never use their strength or put forth any real effort into their faith at all. They expect everything, even following after Jesus, to be a picnic. They think that Jesus somehow is going to fall into their laps. It's all going to be easy. It's going to be an easy thing. You know, these are the people that I've seen over time. They're just forever the victims. They're just victims. They're never victors. They're never successful. They don't do anything like that. They're spiritual weaklings. You remember that old thing? I don't know if you guys are you're too young, but I remember the old comic books where they always had that one growth thing that you could, men could take, you know, when they were, like, weak, and then they could take it, and then they become super strong. You know, but they were those spiritual weaklings that had sand kicked in their face all the time. These are those people. They're spiritual weaklings. You know, our relationship with Jesus is like any other loving relationship. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. And if it doesn't, then you're not really where you need to be. If it ain't causing you effort, if you're not sweating a little, if you're not putting in a little time and energy in, if it's just all about entertainment for you, you're not where you need to be. You're going to be picked off. It's going to cause sleepless nights. It's going to be an attack of the enemy. You're going to be under attack sometimes. You're going to start to follow after God and things are not going to go well. It's going to fall apart. You know, I always think with some people, they always think that it's going to be so easy. Sometimes they'll pray for something and they'll say, oh, God gave me this. God gave me this. They don't realize sometimes that it was more so the enemy giving you something. And it caused you to either go farther away from, from God. But sleepless nights are going to take place. Hard work. Doing things sometimes when you don't want to do them. Getting up in subarctic weather and coming to church. Just, just saying. Just saying. I think some of you guys honestly are too weak. You're weak. You're soft. Yeah, because I wonder if church was, okay, church was subarctic weather, but when we're called the next day, did you go? Did you go then? Sometimes I think we're weak. I think sometimes people, these are the people that never grow up. They're spiritual babies, always just wanting to be fed, and they never go out to feed anyone. And you know what they else they are? They're joy suckers. These are the people that I know when I'm here speaking, afterwards they're going to come up to me and they're going to tell me the same story. They have told me for 10 years of how their life's not going well. And every time I'm like, well, you know, you, you just need to do this, and yes, you need to do this, and you know what, after a while you just walk away and you're like, man, I am so glad I only had to spend this much time with them because if I had to spend every day with them, I would just be like, done, I can't be around you. They're, they steal your joy. There is no joy. There is nothing inside them that feels joy. Some people just become so selfishly motivated. It's always about them, never, ever about a brother and sister. It's more about what they want and what they can get. Never, ever what they can give. 
I think a lot of these people are good at talking the game. You know, they, they can talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. They don't treat their neighbors as they would like to be treated when it comes right down to it. I think these are the people that a lot of times will sit in a church and say amen, amen to everything, but when it comes time to serve or give, they always leave it up to somebody else. Well, you know, I was thinking, it has been a blessing this last year. I mean, really, it's been a blessing. During COVID and all the craziness that we had and how we had to change things so much, we had still a lot of money given to our church because those that are faithful still gave. You know, we brought in $330,000, which is amazing. And it's amazing for those who've given. But did you give? Did you give? I just wonder, and we can sit there and say, that's wonderful, that's great. But if you've only, not, if you've never given anything, or you're really seriously still given like from 1989's version of the budget, you're missing it. You know, God says to give because there's something that happens. Not that we want your money, but it does something for you. See, it changes your heart. When you don't keep it all for yourself, God does something inside of us. There's something that changes. There's something that when we let that money go that he says, look it, I'm here to sustain you. I'm here to help you through every battle. I'm going to take you through every deep water and fire that there is because you prioritize me and you care about what I care about. Then there's those that I see way, way too often. Those that love God with only their hearts. And they never, ever go on to develop discipline. The discipline that it takes to read and study and learn and apply God's word to their life. And then they're so easily led astray. They're picked off in a matter of time. You know, there's this story that I heard recently about a 22-year-old Christian girl from Connecticut named Lindsay, who used to work at a Christian daycare. She quit when she discovered that she could actually make more money by having her followers that were on Instagram and Snapchat and all this, when they, instead she could go to this site called OnlyFans. This site started out with being like a, a place really where musicians and chefs and, and people could share their talents with one another. Well, Lindsay decided that she was gonna move there but the reason why she did it is because that site started to allow pornography also to be placed there. Sad. She's quoted as saying, My family is Christian, but very laid back. My religion has never stopped me from doing anything I've ever wanted to do. God will love you no matter what. That's what I was taught in my household, my school, and my church. Okay. Okay. That's just glaringly obviously that Lindsay has never read the Bible. Never read the Bible for herself. And then only listen to people who never read the Bible either. Because if they did, they would know that that's not acceptable. You can't do that. You can't be a sinner and go out and, and show yourself in pornography and then still call yourself a Christian. But she said something interesting, didn't she? Did you catch it? What did she say? 
she said that she had religion. She said, my family is Christian, but very laid back. My religion has never stopped me. This is what we have to be worried about ourselves. Do you have religion? Or do you have a relationship? If you have a relationship, you're going to know that some things are wrong. God says that he says, the blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. See, the thing is, why do we feel like we can live in this worldly way? Having sex outside of marriage. You know, getting involved with all the horribleness and the sinfulness of the world, and it's so dark, and it's, it's just horrible. We're never supposed to live there. If that's where you're living, I'm hoping that today there's something inside you. I, this is a tough message, and I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I told Cameron, this week was probably the most attacked I think I've ever been speaking, ever. I've had nonstop attacks since last Sunday, and I really believe it was because somebody needed to hear this. Somebody needed to hear it. Somebody needs to understand, and you need to look at yourself, and you think, Did, would Jesus really look at my faith? And would he say what we have together is a relationship? You know, she's just one example of the way that people opt out of a faith that's ba- not based, you know, a faith that's based on God's word. You know, if she was reading it, she'd understand that God would never allow that to take place. He doesn't want that. You know, I always think those people are so dangerous. They're so dangerous. I've watched people that literally tell me they're a Christian, and then I watch how they live, and I'm thinking, you are destroying your witness. And I feel so bad for people that look at them, that want what they want. You know, they're like, oh, look at their faith. I want that. And you're like, you want that? They're nowhere near the kingdom of God. They're a mess. They say they love Jesus with their lips, but their hearts are far away. If they truly love Jesus, they would change. He wants us to change. Cameron just talked not too long about repentance, the idea that we would actually give up sin and we would turn towards him. If you keep living the way you were, you know, as sinful, you know, wrapped up and and caught up in all these different things all the time, and you still say that you're a Christian, a follower of God, I'd really have to wonder if that's true. There are so many people who call themselves Christians. What they do is they wink at the world. They're always kind of like flirting with it a bit. And they think that God's going to always turn a blind eye to their sins. I want you to know God will never turn a blind eye to your sins. He will help you through them. He will help you recover from them. He can change your heart, but he's never going to let just wink at him and say he's okay with them. Never. And if you read that Bible for yourself, you'd know that. We're trying to make it as easy as possible with daily. I hope you guys are taking part in it. Just a few minutes, just to listen to God's word every day can change you like he said. You know, the Bible says that he is light. God is light. And he'll never take part in darkness. So important for us to think about. You know, we're not allowed, no matter how much you want to, you're not allowed to make up your own faith. You're not allowed. You can't just pick and choose, well, I believe this in the Bible, but then I don't believe this in the Bible. 
Well, I think that God wouldn't really care about that. You know, we're living in 2021. It's changed. God is timeless, my friends. He's timeless. His word is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, until the end of time. His word is the same. You're not the exception. I know everyone likes to be the exception. No, 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 you don't understand. But my situation is I was abused. I need love. My situation is this, you know. He doesn't care. He says, no, you apply your life to my word. That's what I want. Just because you already believe something or you've been taught by people, maybe that really didn't know the truth themselves, doesn't mean you're right. You know, I think so many times we, we have that idea, you know. Well, I've been brought up to believe this. Well, maybe your parents were wrong. Maybe they were wrong. You know, or I, I studied this. I was taught by this professor, and they said this. There's professors wrong every day, dying and going to hell. Do you want to follow that? I don't want to follow that. I've been led astray. When I first started following after God, I had all different assumptions of what I thought was right and what I thought was wrong. And over time, God started to peel it away like an onion. Whoa, I didn't realize that. That's wrong. Well, I didn't realize that we're not supposed to think that way. We're not supposed to do that. Over time, he's so kind. We have such a good God that's so kind to shine his light on something inside of our hearts and see that it's wrong and then work on that. You know, he doesn't expect you to get it right and perfect right at the beginning, but he wants a heart that's open to him and willing to change that you have a real relationship, that when he tells you something, you listen. That when he explains something, do you think, well, maybe I might be wrong. Maybe the God who created all things, the heaven and earth, he knows better than I do. Maybe that's what we need to think about. Last week, I asked you the question, do you love God? Do you really love God? And what I said was, if we say that we believe everything that the Bible tells us about following after him and about the, the future and that Jesus is coming back and that there's people dying and going to hell and it's our choice to try to get them to try to follow after Jesus themselves, you know, if we really believe that and we say we love God, does it match up? Well, this week what I want you to do is I want you to look closer at this relationship that you have. And this means you might not have one. You might not have this. You might have religion. This relationship that you say that you have with Jesus, really look at yourself and see if you're really lacking in loving him. Maybe it's with your heart. Maybe it's really down deep what's in your soul. Or maybe you really don't love him with the strength that you need or the mind that you need to, setting your mind upon things that are good and pure and lovely. I want you to really take a moment to reflect. I'm going to pray, but I really want to give you just a minute of just silence to ask God, do you have the relationship that you think you do with him? And let him speak to you about what needs to be changed.
You know, it does no good to let God shine something in your heart that he wants to change and just walk out and not apply it. I really hope that if he's speaking something to you today and he brought something to your mind, that's the Holy Spirit. He's just trying to show you what's, what you need to change. And he's good and he's loving and he's kind to do it. I really just pray that today you would really look at that as an opportunity to really like grow in your faith and be challenged and changed. Well, Lord, I do pray for each person that's going to hear this message. Lord God, whether or not them being here or online, Lord, I pray that they would really seriously look and examine their hearts, that they would examine their relationship that they say that they have with you, that they would truly just get the vision about what it is that you have for them, Lord God. Not this mediocre, half-baked faith, but Lord, a loving, kind, generous, over-the-top love that you want to show them and that they need to show you. I just pray, Father, that you, Lord God, would do miracles today, that you would help people to grow and be challenged in their faith, Lord, that there would be so much that they've held back that they would feel that they want to give and, and move forward in their faith with you. Lord, I just am thankful that you are a good God and that you love us so much that you left us your word. Lord, help us to fall in love with it. Help us to care to apply it to our lives. Help us to be changed into the people that you would want us to be changed into. And thank you, Lord, that you're never, never far, farther apart than just a whisper. We're so thankful. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.